Oh, 
started flowing when you said that it's God. Jesus, who you was in now, is honey in the rock, water in the stone, and on the ground, no matter where I go, I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need you've got. is honey in the rock, purpose in the plan, healing in your blood, healing in your hand. Started flowing when you said that it's done. Jesus, who you are, is enough. Honey in the rock. Honey in the rock. Honey in the rock. How sweet, how sweet it is to trust in you.
bless your holy name, dear God. Lord Jesus, we bless you, we honor you, we praise you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you how good and kind and compassionate you've been towards us. We thank you that your faithfulness has been with us every step of the way. And we thank you, Lord, that the work you began, you shall complete. We put our trust in you. We cast our burdens upon you. And we give you praise and glory that only you are deserving of. Lord Jesus, we love you. We bless you. We praise you with all that is within us. Lord, we love you. And we thank you. And we pray, let your name be honored in your house. Let your word be received and embraced in your house. And let many, many lives receive a fresh touch from the master's hand this day in your house. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, let's give him a clap of praise. He's wonderful. He's worthy. There's nobody like Jesus. There's no one as wonderful as Jesus. No one is worthy. No one is awesome. No one is excellent. Hallelujah. Oh, bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And all God's people said, God bless you. You may be seated. God bless you. Hallelujah. Well, good morning. That's it. Bless the Lord with all that is within you. Amen. <laughs> oh, Lord. If you're going to Children's Church, God bless you. You can go to Children's Church. Sister Amy's ready. She's got a smile on her shirt there. I see that. And she's ready to go. Amen. And we want to give a big God bless you to all the men, especially Pastor Todd. That guy can barbecue, I'm telling you. Amen. All the men that went out to the men's barbecue on Friday, it was good. Next time you hear he's barbecuing, you're going to be there. It was good stuff. I took a bunch home. <laughs> I snuck this out. I said, James, quick, put that in the car before someone else gets it. I've been, I've been munching yesterday. I'm going to have some more. That was good stuff. But I want to thank all the men that helped out, all the ones that helped Pastor Todd, all the men that are there cleaning up, setting up. God bless you. We've got a wonderful group of men here, and they, we kind of meet together in, in a season, and our season ends about this time with a barbecue and a good number showed up. And then not only did we have great food and fellowship, we had our Royal Rangers with us. And so Commander Dave and all his men were there, and all the boys, amen. And, and they provided the entertainment. Didn't, did, did, someone, did they have a little choir? No, they didn't sing to us. They had their cars, they had their race cars, their box cars. And we got to watch the races, and we, we got to judge the, you know, what one was painted fast. And we used to, oh, it was so neat. It really um, talk about nostalgia for some of us older guys remembering doing doing that so many years ago. And so we God bless the Rangers and that great ministry that's going on. And they came out and we just had a great night. So I want to thank everyone that came out Friday night and it was wonderful. I know the Rangers had a camp out and a sleepover and a powwow and it's just good to see men, whether they be five or ninety-five, as we about covered that range there. And it's good to see men come out, encourage one another, and pray one for another. There was laughing, there was praying, and we just had a good time, and, and it's a wonderful thing. That's what it's all about. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. And we're continuing our series in we're finishing up. Next week should be our last sermon from Colossians. 
And I'll give you a little heads up. We're going to talk about Paul's friends. Paul's friends. Tail end of this book are some names and people that we probably don't know much about, that we kind of skim over the end of books. But those men had a very important part of Paul's ministry. Paul had friends, and Paul was a good friend. Paul wants us to have friends. And Paul, God wants us to be friends, and God wants us to be good friends. And we're going to talk about Paul's friends next week. But this morning, we're going to talk from the fourth chapter, mostly from verse 2, but we'll read a few more. And we're going to title this message, Take It to the Lord in Prayer. Take it to the Lord in Prayer. And I'll just straight out from the beginning, it's a simple but very important message. To be successful and victorious in your Christian experience doesn't take a lot, but it does demand a few things. And if you can just get the basics down, and if it hits me when I come to that point, we'll, we'll, we'll turn it loose. But um, if you get the basics right, you can grow, and you can mature, and you can become the one God's called you to be. If you ignore the basics, it's like anything else. You're always going to be stuttering. You're never going to be really achieving because you've got to get the foundation of anything right if you're going to go from there. Can you say amen? All right, so if you would, Colossians 4, and let's start out with verse 2. The Bible says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I might proclaim it clearly as I should. Let's be wise in the way we act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. How about that? Don't waste the opportunity God has given you to touch others, to serve his people, to become the one he's called you to be. Hmm. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Take it to the Lord in prayer. The Apostle Paul is beginning to bring this letter to completion. And he has clearly and powerfully defended the faith from the false teachers and teachings that were really trying to undermine and deceive this young congregation, unsettle their faith, and ultimately shipwreck their faith if they bought into these lies. But Paul was there to defend the faith and to watch out for the little ones and expose the lies. And he has beautifully lifted up and exalted Jesus as the only creator, the only savior, the only head of the church. He spoke about the deity of Christ, the humanity of Christ, the sovereignty of Christ, and what we really stressed earlier on, the sufficiency of Christ. You're complete in him. You don't need Jesus and this. You don't need Jesus plus this. You need Jesus. Putting your faith and heart completely in him and what he did on that cross. And as this letter progresses, Paul has moved from proper doctrine to proper practice. Because we've learned that learning should lead to living. Can you say amen? Now, Paul is sharing with these young believers how they should now live out this life. And he's given them, he shared with them um, some privileges that belong to them as the people of God. It's important to know what you have in Christ so you can apply it and you can use it and you can walk in it. The devil loves to keep God's people ignorant of who they are and what they possess. 
of what happened on Calvary, of what you have when the Spirit of God takes up residence within you. Because if the devil can keep you ignorant to what you have, you won't use what you got. And you won't make the use of it, and the devil can mess with you and play with you. But Paul wants them to recognize some wonderful privileges that every Christian has. And if we'll understand them and really lay hold of them and apply them, we can walk in a greater measure of victory than we've ever dreamed. Again, privileges that when practiced will help this young group finish strong and continue on in the faith. Now, we've studied the peace of Christ. And that great, let the peace of God govern in your heart. And we study that you can have peace in the midst of life that is a fallen world, that's an ugly world in some ways, an unfair world. You can have the peace of Christ to keep you strong on the insides as you walk through this fight of faith. Peace of Christ. It'll govern you. It'll guide you. Then we talked about the, the word of Christ. That when we let that word of Christ dwell in us richly, it works in us and it works through us. It equips us. It heals us. It ministers grace to us. He talked about the name of Christ. And this morning, this week, the privilege of prayer. As a child of God, not only do you have the privilege of peace that surpasses human understanding, not only the privilege of the word of God and the word of Christ, not only the privilege of the name of Jesus, you have the privilege of prayer that you and I, thank God for this privilege, that you and I can come boldly to the throne of God's grace. What a privilege that is. There is a place where we can go when we face real trials and real struggles and we're not exempt from the ugly things that everyone else goes through. But we do have something that others don't have. There is a place where we can go and cast our cares and unload our burdens. A place we can sit at His feet and receive His touch and receive His wisdom. Be refreshed by His presence. Be renewed by His strength. There's a place where we can go because Jesus has made a way that we can draw near to the very presence of God and receive grace from heaven itself oh what a blessed people we are and listen this is a very important topic there are certain things in the kingdom of God that are more important than other things they're not all the same Jesus spoke about weightier matters of the law there are more important things we're going to talk about the more important things some people struggle with the the silly things not might be wrong but they're, they're not really all that important you can get the important things in your life. You're going to go places in God. Prayer is greatly emphasized and encouraged throughout the Word of God. J- just a brief survey from the Scripture. And we see so many examples of prayer's power and the reality of prayer affecting the lives of men and women of faith, of godly men and women. For example, can you remember how Moses, just one man, yet his prayers kept an entire nation from the judgment that they deserve. Just one man's prayers kept an entire nation from divine judgment. And I thank God that prayer has a keeping power to it. How many parents have prayed and their praise have shielded back and pushed back and rolled back hell's attempts to attack their children and to afflict their children, especially those that might have drifted. But a parent's prayer had power to keep them. Even sometimes they were far away and they didn't even know where they were. But prayer knows all things. And you can touch heaven wherever you're at. You You might not know where they're at, but heaven can reach them and Jesus can reach them. And as we pray, our prayers have a great keeping power to shield back and roll back the attacks of darkness. You know, Peter prayed. Peter, just a rugged, imperfect, 
unschooled fisherman. And he prayed. His prayers healed the sick and raised the dead. Isn't that something? No seminary, I mean, no seminary. But he knew God. And if you know God, it doesn't matter how much of the natural education you have. If you know God, your prayers can change lives. I think about Hannah, that dear lady from the Old Testament. A heartbroken and a childless wife. A heartbroken and a hurting and discouraged wife. But the Bible says she prayed, literally in the Hebrew, she poured out her soul to God. And the Lord answered. And her barren womb brought forth a son, a mighty prophet. His name was Samuel. And I want someone to know that prayer still makes the barren places fruitful. The power of prayer is still able to make the desert places and the dry places and the defeated places bloom again and be healthy again and be resurrected again. There's power of prayer. Joshua, the great general, he prayed in the heat of battle. You know, sometimes you don't have time to recite a King James prayer. Sometimes you don't have time to write out a real nice poetic prayer. Sometimes you just got to cry, Lord! Joshua, that great general, prayed right in the middle of battle. And literally the time stood still. The sun stood still. So God's army could finish the victory and complete the victory over the enemy. Don't let the enemy get away. Pray until he's really defeated. Elijah, that wild-looking, courageous prophet, he, if he was here today, he'd be riding a Harley. I'm telling you right, right? I mean, the way he dressed, he'd ride a Harley. He was something else, just that rugged individual. He prayed one time, and fire fell from heaven. And hundreds came back to the Lord. Job prayed for his friends, and God turned his situation around and restored his fortunes. The prayer of forgiveness is powerful. When you pray for those that have hurt you, it's powerful. Early church prayed in Acts 4 in response to persecution, to imprisonment, to threats. They prayed, and the Bible says that God literally shook the house that they were praying in. Filled them afresh, and then shook the house, and then they shook their world. We pray God do it again. I pray God will shake some Christians. They'll wake up from their lethargy and their apathy. And they'll get on fire for Jesus and start doing what God's called them to do. They'll get back to their first love. They'll get back to serving God with all that is within them. Somebody say amen to that. Oh, God. There is great privilege and power in prayer. For it is prayer that changes individuals. It changes families, nations, churches. Prayer changes circumstances. Most importantly, prayer changes hearts. changes me. And effective prayer, and I want to underline that effective prayer is the privilege of every child of God. Effective prayer. In fact, you can be a powerful man or woman of prayer. It's not, see, listen, it's not just a special gift or calling that just special Christians have. No, 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 no. If you're, if you're a child of God and you're willing to give the commitment and the discipline and give yourself to prayer and the effort of prayer, then God will use your prayers to do mighty things in the earth because he's a mighty God. You can be a powerful man or woman of prayer. If you're willing to make the time and become devoted to prayer, 
and give yourself faithfully to sincere prayer, God will use your prayers to do great and mighty things in the earth. One time a lady came up to the great preacher of old G. Campbell Morgan and she said, Pastor, I only take big things to God. I don't take little things to God. And Dr. Morgan looked at her and said, Lady, anything you take to God is little. You see, it might be big to you, but it's not big to God. Can you say amen? You see, we have to, when we pray, we struggle with prayer because sometimes we, we, we pray according to our faith. Forget your faith. Let's pray according to his greatness and his ability and his power. We look at ourselves, and of course we can't heal a flea if it had a headache. But if we'll begin to look at the greatness and the awesomeness and the mightiness of our God and realize my, my, my faith is not in my ability to believe, but in his ability to perform. And he's a great God who's mighty to save and mighty to heal and mighty to turn situations around. And when I come boldly before that throne of grace, I'm not coming in my name, I'm coming in Jesus' name. When I'm praying, I'm not praying according to what I can believe. I am praying according to what I know he can do. Paul winds down this letter in verse 2. I don't think we'll get beyond verse 2. Paul winds down this short but powerful letter. Devote yourselves to prayer. The New King James says continue earnestly in prayer. Continue in it. Amen? Continue in it. Go back at it. Daily seek him. Cry out to him with an earnestness, with a sincerity. Let's take note of some instructions that Paul gives us for a productive prayer life. I want to have a productive prayer life. Amen? I don't want to just say prayers. I want to have a productive prayer life. And if we're going to finish strong, and if we're going to bless our world, then we're going to need to have productive prayer lives. Now, not just religious Slogans. You see, prayer is the strength of our fellowship with God. Prayer is the source of our power to stand against the enemy. Prayer is how we offer our praise, but then we receive our pardons and our cleansings as we confess and he cleanses. Prayer is how we touch heaven on behalf of others. And how our prayers, our effective prayers, minister to others, seeing them them spared and seeing them helped and seeing them saved. Oh, no. A productive prayer life, number one, will be a devoted prayer life. Can't be a 911 prayer person. Can't be in case of emergency, break glass. That don't work, amen? And we're going to pray. Number one, he says, be devoted to prayer. Devoted means something I do consistently. I'm committed to prayer. Amen? I don't just pray when I have ever no other answer around. So be faithful. Continue earnestly. Be consistent. And, and this word, it implies both persistence in praying, but also a fervor and an energy in praying. We don't just say prayers, we pray. There is a difference. Anyone come from a religious background where you were taught sometimes just to say prayers? Is if, you know, religious repetition, you just said the right thing a hundred times and it had some magic to it. We're to pray from our hearts. We're to pray with sincerity. We're to pray like we mean it. We're to pray with some effort, that according to the Bible. So the command here is to devote our time, our attention, our effort to the discipline of prayer. 
be devoted and dedicated to prayer. Paul, he's summing up his letter. He's written about some exciting things in the early chapters of who they were in Christ and the greatness of the Lord Jesus. Now he's bringing it down to the practical. How do you experience it in the world you live in? How do you experience it in the job you're at? Well, number one, we've got to understand the peace of God. We need to understand the, the word of God. We need to understand the name of Christ. And we need to understand and practice the privilege of prayer. Because prayer is what keeps us connected with God. Prayer is what keeps that communion and that union tight and strong with God. Prayer is what keeps us full of the spirit of the living God. So again, he says, be consistent in prayer. And when we pray, don't just go through a religious ritual, going through the motions, but be earnest and sincere and serious when you pray. You know, of course, this is how the early church and the Lord Jesus prayed. So many scriptures, I'll just give you a couple. Acts 1 and 4, it says, they all joined together constantly, constantly in prayer. It was something they did regularly. It wasn't a rare thing. It wasn't just because there was a tragedy in the nation we decided to pray. They prayed continually, consistently, regularly. They gathered together constantly. Acts 2 and 4. As, as Acts was summarizing how the early church functioned, speaking of things that were regular, not rare occurrences, they write Acts 2 and 42, they, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Prayer was something they did on a consistent basis. They were committed to it. They were disciplined in it. So let us note that the pattern and the practice, the example and the instruction of the Lord Jesus in the church of the Bible was to be dedicated to earnest, sincere prayer consistently. And it brought great blessing to that early church. It was not without effect. We read the book of Acts. We get excited when we see the great things that happen there. It reminds me of the old story. My, my, my pastor, never lost for words, Pastor Veach, and one of the older saints said, why don't we see things like we used to? He was quick. He shouted back, well, give me some saints like we used to, and maybe, maybe we will. So again, we look at the book of Acts, and we say, isn't that wonderful? Well, let's try doing what they did so we can get what they got. How about that? Amen? All right, that's it. And so here, we'll look at this. It, it wasn't without effect. That early church, because they prayed, because they didn't just pray once in a great while, just when, you know, there was a new Caesar on the scene, they prayed continually. It was a daily part of their devotion and worship to God, sincere intercessions and prayers. It brought a great divine dynamic and direction and durability to that early church. That's why they were such an overcoming church. That's why they were a church that shook cities and devils were afraid of that early church. And they spread the gospel throughout that wicked, corrupt Roman Empire. But that empire couldn't hinder the gospel from going forth. It had a dynamic. You know, the early church knew the power of God. It's in prayer they received the power of God. Somebody, we can know the power of God. It did not die with the early church. Heaven's power is still available and still released in response to God's people's sincere prayers and crying out. Oh, what a power. They had power in the early church. I mean, souls were saved. Cities were shaken. Men and women were healed. The dead were raised. Hypocrites dropped dead. My God, they had power in that church. <laughs> so I want the book of Acts. I said, well, get ready to get some caskets. Amen. It brought about a great divine dynamic. It brought about a great direction. They were a church led of the Spirit. How about that? The Word and the wisdom of God, the Word and the Spirit of God. 
They, they didn't lead. They didn't make their decision by taking polls. Blindly following traditions of men. They didn't um, just bow and flow with the cultural pattern or the cultural opinion. No, they were spirit-led people. They sought God and got the mind of God. Amen? They sought God so they could stand firmly upon the word of God. That early church was a praying church. It was something they did regularly, not just in special occasions. And it brought to that church a divine dynamic, a divine direction, and thank God, a divine durability. And, and, and Rome's might, all of Rome's might, all of hell's attacks couldn't stop that early church. The Bible says they loved not their lives even unto death. Amen. But they overcame by the blood of the Lamb. They overcame by the word of their testimony. They were a church that had a durability. How do we say it? They took a licking, but they kept on ticking. Amen. Like weevils, they might have wobbled, but they never fell down because they connected to heaven and they had a durability and an endurance. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Religious persecution only increased their numbers and spread the message. Because they were a people that were driven by a power and a vision that was not their own. It was something from heaven. They, they, they got that in the presence of God. They got that in prayer. There are certain things you'll get nowhere else but in the holy place of God, in the secret place of God, in the presence of the living. You can't get it anywhere else. There are certain things you'll never get a hold of in your Christian experience. You'll never enter into without entering deep into the presence of the living God. They knew the scripture that says, if we draw near to God, God will draw near to us and when God draws near to us and the presence of God begins to envelop us and surround us and to wash us something wonderful takes place in the presence of God can you say amen something glorious takes place when a man or a woman humbles themselves in the presence of God there's impartation from heaven there's revelation from heaven my God there's transformation within the soul that can take place nowhere else and can take place through no other avenue but getting in the presence of God and humbling our hearts and allowing him to transform us allowing his fire to consume us allowing his water to wash us and revive and refresh us oh say amen to that power of prayer Paul calls this young church to be devoted to prayer to make it part of their daily walk Personally and corporately. There's a danger of becoming a crisis only prayer person. Or when I feel like a prayer person. Or worse yet, let someone else pray for me prayer person. But the call of the church is to pray without ceasing. To be devoted and dedicated to faithful and fervent prayer. Not because God needs it, though he requires it and the word of God instructs it, but because we need it. Because we need it to fight the unseen war in the heavenlies. Because we need it for the urgent task that has been entrusted to us and we cannot carry out without the power of God's prayer. If we're going to get the job done, it will not be through human strength or strategy but it must be by the power and grace and leading of the Holy Spirit of God. And that leading and that empowerment and that blessing is released through prayer. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves in, 
and if they'll seek my face, if they'll turn from their wicked ways, God says, I will hear and I will heal and I will intervene. My God, God says, I got a promise. If you'll do your part, you know I'll do mine. God says, I got a promise. Why are my people often sometimes too lazy to seek me? When I can do exceedingly abundantly, when I can do anything, but they won't seek me. Let's seek the Lord. Let's cry out to God. Let's get rid of anything in our lives that's hindering that flow. Amen. There's a reason some don't pray. They, they get in the presence of God, they'd be embarrassed. You know, when I wasn't behaving, I tried to avoid my dad growing up. I don't know about you. Amen. When I knew I came home late, I tried to sneak out early that next morning before he could catch me. I don't want to meet with him. I know how it is. You're not living right. It's hard to get in the presence of God. You're not living right. You can't come boldly because you know you can't play hypocrite with God. You can play the hypocrite with everyone else. You can't play the hypocrite with God. But oh, he says, if you'll seek my face and you'll put away these other things that are grieving my spirit and quenching my flow he says then I will hear you and I will honor your prayer and I will work in your life and I'll reach that wayward son and I'll destroy that cancer at the root and I'll show you the mighty power of the God you serve my Lord have mercy hallelujah devote yourself be persistent that's what the word means to hold fast don't let go Consistent practice and effort. And again, that word devoted. There's there's two things that are emphasized here. Hence why the New King James is going to say, continue earnestly. And I've just given us one word. Has two thoughts, two prongs. Devoted means to be consistent in it. When you're devoted to something, you're consistent. Amen? If you're devoted to your spouse, you're not in love today and unloved tomorrow. You're devoted, devoted, devoted. Amen? Isn't that right? Someone just elbowed the spouse, said it better be. Amen. No. <laughs> devoted is consistent, but also in this word, this word devoted means also it's earnest in its effort. It's sincere in its effort. Amen. Consistent and earnest. Not just saints praying prayers, but men and women of God crying out to God. Praying sincerely, praying with effort. Jesus put it like this, Luke 18 and verse 1. Most of us know this. Men ought always to pray and not to faint or not to give up. Amen? Jesus was telling um, the disciples a parable about that widow and the unjust judge. Remember that? And the widow in those days, she had no natural recourse. She had nothing to bribe him with. She had no one to defend her or intervene for her. All she had was her ability to hang on and persevere and persist in prayer. And you remember that story? She just kept coming and coming and coming. And finally that just said, man, this woman's going to wear me out. She's driving me crazy. Just give her what she wants. She's she done it. And, and Jesus said, listen, and that's how an unjust judge deals with things. How much more a heavenly father when we pray and we persevere and we continue to call on him and believe in him and trust in him. Jesus taught us that effective prayer is persistent, persevering. It's determined prayer and such prayer. Prayer is the prayer our Heavenly Father honors and rewards. Constantly praying. But we don't just show up and mail it in. No, no, no. We come and pour out our hearts. We pray with an earnest and sincerity. Now, in the same, same chapter of our text, Colossians 4 and verse 12. I want you to look at that. There's different ways to pray, but this is one way that right in this same chapter, 
One of Paul's assistant pastors was a great man of prayer. And he was praying for the church that they would grow and mature in their walk with God. Don't stop praying for people just when they get saved. Keep praying that they'll get strong and stable and get a good foundation and overcome those things and become a mature believer. But Epaphras, that's one of Paul's assistants. Paul says he's one of you. He's a servant of Christ. He sends his greetings. And here's what Paul says about him. He's always wrestling in prayer for you. I'm not saying every time we pray, that's how we pray. When you bless your food, you know, you don't got to grunt and groan and sweat too much. Amen? Just blessing it out of the way. I'm hungry. Amen. But, you know, I, I, I don't want to embarrass anyone, but I like to ask some Christians, do you ever pray in a way that could be described as wrestling? That word wrestling in the Greek is agonizo. It's where we get our word agonize. It speaks of strain and effort and giving energy. He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature, fully assured. Don't just stop praying when they get saved. You keep praying to them to get mature and get firm in the will of God and, and get a real assurance of who they are in Christ. But let me go on here now. Desire, agonizing, striving when we pray. Faithful New Testament believers were not only dedicated to prayer, but they prayed earnestly. They prayed with strong pleadings and intercessions. Not, 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 just, not just natural, outward, demonstrative, but there was a spiritual intensity and sincerity when they cried out to God. The needs of their family and their nations and their churches demanded. And aren't the needs that we face today just as serious as theirs? Aren't the souls of our children and grandchildren just as... So I'll say it again. It's not the only way to pray. But it is a Bible way to pray. It's in the book. And it's applauded. So I would ask, do you ever pray in a way that could be described as wrestling in prayer? As earnestly striving in prayer? We must pray if we're to be effective people of prayer, consistently and fervently. The answer will come if we prevail for it. Friend, let's never forget, heaven has many answers. Heaven has many victories. Heaven has many breakthroughs. Just waiting for someone to ask for it and believe for it and press on until it comes. Heaven wants to give sometimes more than we want to receive. Number one, if we're going to be fruitful, effective people of prayer. But not everyone is. You know that. You might have a problem if some people be the last person you call. They don't pray. There's other people. As soon as that problem comes, you got them on speed dial. Woo! Say amen, say ouch. Go ahead. Isn't that right? <laughs> Oh, it's all right. It's all right. Oh, we're with it now. Be faithful or devoted. Develop the discipline of prayer and be consistent in it and pray with an effort. It'll keep us strong, enduring, and fruitful to the end. Number one. Number two, but be watchful. Be watchful. Be watchful. What's he talking about? Look at, look at our verse two. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful. 
being watchful. What are you talking about? This speaks of spiritual alertness. Alert to yourself, alert to your surroundings. You see, the enemy, be alert to the enemy's tactics that will try to discourage you, distract you from praying. You ever get distracted from praying? <laughs> you ever wake up and realize, oh my Lord, you know what, I, I don't miss my butterfly collection, but I haven't prayed in about eight days, no? Well, there's things that will try to distract you from the most important things. There are some things that are more important than other things in the kingdom of God. Don't ever forget that. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Paul says in the New King James, be vigilant in prayer. Be watchful. Keep alert. Keep alert. The idea here is to be on guard. To be alert. The word is, it's like guarding a a valuable object. Your prayer life is a valuable object. Your Bible reading is a valuable object. Your church attendance is a valuable object. He's saying guard your prayer life. Guard the things that matter. Tell someone next to you, guard the things that matter. My Lord, some things don't matter at all in the big scope of things. But if you don't honor your prayer life, how come your babies won't get prayed for? If you don't honor your word life, you won't grow and become the one God's called you to be. If you don't honor your church attendance, your kids won't know God, even if they might know some lingo about God. Amen. Be watchful. Guard the things that matter. Guard the things that matter. What am I trying to say? Guard the things that matter. Don't grow careless about prayer. Don't grow careless about the eternal things. You never become great in your hobby. That's all right. But you better be good at the things that matter for eternity. See, there's so many distractions. So many deceptions, discouragements. Watch out for them. They're going to rob you of blessing. They're going to rob your family of blessing. If you don't pray, what will happen to your grandbabies? If you're not standing in the gap, um, warding off hell and its attacks, what's going to happen? There's something happens when we pray and things happen when we don't pray. We have more than we would like to admit about what goes on. Our prayers make a difference. Oh, my. He says, guard that prayer. It's so important. It's too important not to guard. Your family needs your prayer life. Your family needs your faithful devotion. Oh, no, don't ever forget that. The enemy will try to injure your prayer life, try to rob you. There's a thief that tries to rob that which is most valuable. Your prayer life, your word life, your attendance, your devotion, your commitment, your service. Oh, yeah. In order to devote ourselves to effectual, fruitful prayer, we must be alert to the many things that can detour us from our faithfulness and from our practice. Real praying demands both spiritual energy and spiritual alertness. Be alert to yourself. Be alert to yourself. Let a man examine. Let's examine ourselves. What do I say to the men all the time? We stress this. Two, three years now. It's intentional living. It's intentional living. You don't get anywhere accidental living, Christian. You've got to be intentional. You've got to be able to tell me, what are you shooting for? Where are you, where are you trying to grow in your Christian life? What are you trying to overcome? What are you trying to develop? If you can't give me an answer, you're not doing it right. Amen. Come on, say amen. Let a man examine himself. 
where do I need to address in me? I got to deal with it. I got to deal with me. Right. What do I got to deal with me? Where am I falling short? It's not going to accidentally take care of itself. I got to identify it. And I've got to work at it. And God will help me work at it. Amen. There might be areas I'll need to grow in. I want to grow in those areas. There might be areas I need to overcome. I don't want those areas embarrassing me and trip me up anymore. Come on, say amen. amen. But I won't grow if I'm not intentional. What am I being intentional about growing? I have to be intentional in guarding my prayer life. My prayer life is the most important thing I have. If you don't abide in the vine, we don't abide with Jesus. Sooner or later, we just get burnt, thrown aside. Amen? That branch gets thrown aside. Am I right? Don't let the devil sever your lifeline, your lifeline, your prayer. Amen? Your time of prayer and devotion. I got to guard my prayer. I got to guard my time in the word. Amen? I got to guard my time. Everybody wants counsel. The best counsel you ever gets in that book. We won't take five minutes to read the thing. My Lord, what's wrong with us? Amen? I'm going to make up my mind. I need to honor God's house if I want God to honor my house. <laughs> God's going to treat you, your house, like you treat his house. I'll stop there. I'll stop there. I'll save that for the men's breakfast next time. I'll stop that, boy. Amen? We have to be determined to grow in God. No one can grow for you. Nobody can make the decisions and dedications that you have to make. But sooner or later, if a man or woman's really going to grow and mature in the things of God, they have to, number one, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. We've got to first put in our lives Christ, his will, and his desire. Amen? And as I do that, I begin to understand the things that matter most and give them their proper place, my proper effort, so I can grow and mature and become. Nothing will happen by accident that's good. Bad things happen by accident. Good things happen when there's intentional effort. Can you say amen? So Paul is saying, guard your prayer life. Be able to sit down honestly before God and be able to write down what are the things that matter most for eternity. What are the most important things that you need to guard, that you need to watch for? Because listen, the devil knows what the important things are. You know, you can play in 1,700 men's softball teams. Wonderful. Get a few more trophies. But if you don't have a good devotional time, you'll never become the man God's called you to be. And the devil knows that. He can keep us busy doing secondary things. Not things that are necessarily sin, but things that are certainly not the weightier matters. The most important matters. You see. And if he can deceive us enough to think, oh, it's okay, it's good, good, it's good. You know. No, 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 no. Paul says, be watchful. Be alert. Be alert to yourself. Be alert to your surroundings. The needs to distract. Be alert to the enemy that would try to deceive you. The fallen nature that tries to discourage you. Things that will try to cause us to neglect prayer. You know, the enemy will discourage us and make us believe the answer won't come. Oh, you know, the old flesh try to deceive us and think it's not really, it's not really worth it. It's worth it. You know, listen... It, 
If you're able to flip back to Mark 1 and verse 35, if you can do that, I didn't give him that, but if you can do that, I want you to see something. You know, I was flipping through my friend's church the other day and doing a series on Jesus gets us. I thought it was interesting. I said, I like mm-hmm. this Jesus gets us. Mm-hmm. And, and the thought is that, you know, Jesus was human like we were, like we are. And so he had to um, go through, sim- we go through similar things. So. But Jesus understood what was most important. And then he made the effort. And I want you to see, even in Jesus' prayer life, Jesus didn't just wake up, woo, and heaven came down on some TV show, you know what I mean? The, the ceiling didn't open up where he was lying and the, the angels came. No, not, not, it didn't work that way at all. Jesus is all about reality. You know, when Jesus had to pray, he had to get up early, get away from the crowd. He was in a crowded house. Anybody living in a crowded house? You got to get some effort sometimes to find a closet, a little peace and quiet, Amen. We used to travel a lot. I'd be in the bathroom. You hear me, 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 me in the bathtub. You know, you gotta, but you got, but you got to make an effort. Listen, the, the things of God, the valuable things, don't come easy. Amen. Now, sticks and stones, not very valuable. From here to your car, you can pick up a handful. Anybody want to get some silver and gold? You're gonna have to dig, and search, and work. The things of the kingdom are never for the lazy. The things of the kingdom. The riches of the kingdom never go to the lazy. There's a diligence and there's an effort that God rewards. And even the Lord Jesus, after a night, the previous night, he had a great miracle crusade. They brought scores of people. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. I mean, he's moving in the power of God. Amen? I mean, if you're moving in the power of God, you think, well, I'm doing pretty good. Now I'm exhausted. You ever pray for a lot of people? It exhausts the life out of you. You think, man, I think maybe I'll sleep in tomorrow. I need to get some rest. After all, I'm just, you know. Jesus, very early that next morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house. He had to want it. He got up, you got to want it. He knew he needed it. Just before that, he's healing the scores, setting captives free. The power of God's on him in a strong measure. But he knew if I want to keep the power of God on me, I better get back to prayer, amen? Amen. He's led of the Father. If I want to keep being led of the Father, I better get back to prayer. And I love this is Jesus, amen? Jesus. Very early in the morning. It was still dark. He got up. He had a desire to meet with the Father. You see, you got to have a desire. Then desire, listen, desire, next after desire, has to be coupled with discipline. You can preach a good emotional message and stir up a lot of desire. A lot of people will respond and have a sincere desire. But if desire is not coupled with discipline, just give it an hour, give it a half an hour. Jesus had a desire, he got up early. Had the discipline. He left the house. He's staying at, what, was it Peter's house? I mean, you got Peter and Andrew and Peter's mother-in-law. I mean, the house is full. Small house. You know what it is. I've got to get away. got to get somewhere where I can be alone. Not always easy. But if it's worth it, you find a place. You find a time. Amen. 
Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. He got away. He got alone. He got up. He got away. He got alone. But Jesus knew the importance of prayer. Jesus knew that he had to guard his prayer life. Jesus knew if I'm going to tap into this great privilege, it takes some effort on my half. Anybody say amen? amen? So sometimes in our own lives, we just have to order things and rearrange things. But it starts out by recognizing what are the most important things. Amen? And then we, all right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That all wasn't in the notes, but we put it in there. Jesus said, watch and pray, right? Watch and pray. Because though the spirit is willing, this old nature of mine gets weak and gets tired and gets discouraged. But you keep watching and praying. Amen, 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 amen. Remember this. Things will try to keep you. Things will try to keep me and distract me and discourage me from my quiet time with God. Things will try to keep you from that personal time of communing with the Savior, of sitting at his feet. Amen. Things will try to keep us from that all-important time when we get before God and we call on God for our families and our loved ones and our friends. And some people's souls are held in the balance by our prayers. Some people are lost. They don't know enough to pray for themselves. Someone's got to intercede for them. Amen? And if the devil can keep the godly from praying, what hope do the ungodly have? Let me bring this down. Number one, if I want to be effective in prayer, if I want to be a fruitful person of prayer, and I can be, and you can be, we'll say it again, you don't have to have a special calling. you just got to be a believer. And if you are and you're willing to discipline your life and give the effort, God will use you to see his will done on earth as it is in heaven. So number one, i got to be devoted to it. Amen? If I'm going to be good at prayer and effective at prayer, I can't play at prayer. Isn't that right? And you try to ever learn a skill? It can't, you can't play at it. If you really want to master something, you've got to work at it and be devoted to it and give up. I'm going to commit myself to learn this and to learn it and to practice it and get it right. Amen? Well, if we're going to be good at prayer, if we're going to be effective in prayer, I've got to devote myself to prayer. It, it won't come cheaply. But secondly, I've got to realize and be watchful and alert because there are many things out there that will try to um, hinder my prayer life, distract my prayer life, discourage my prayer life, whether it's the old nature of the enemy or this world. Amen? That devil will lie to you. Oh, what good is it? You've been praying for six months and nothing happened. Devil, you're a liar. As long as I know this is the will of God, it's in the word of God, I'm believing, and I'm hanging on until I see that prayer come to pass. Amen? Sometimes we get discouraged in ourselves. We get tired. It's easier, you know, just to do other things. Isn't that right? Sure it is. Faithful, watchful. And last but not least, thankful. All in this one verse. I know prayer is a vast topic, and we could go weeks and weeks, but just this one little verse. Colossians 4 and verse 2. Devote yourselves. Personal thing, amen. Devote yourselves to prayer being watchful, be alert, and thankful. Hmm, that's interesting. Thanksgiving is an important part, an important ingredient 
in successful prayer. You got to be thankful, amen? Like that story, you know, the, the pastor was asking one of the kids, one of the little five-year-olds, how his mother prayed for him when, when she put him in bed. You know, you do the prayers, you know, put him in the bed at night, you know, read a story, say the prayers. And he said, well, little boy, and, and how does your mother pray for you when she puts you to bed? He says, usually she closes her eyes and says, thank the Lord, he's asleep, amen, or something like that, you know. <laughs> back, back, back in those days, thank God, they're finally out, amen, amen, oh, Lord, have mercy, Whew. amen, all right. But Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, listen, if all we do is ask and never thank God for who he is and what he's already done, that's kind of selfish, isn't it? Sincere gratitude according to the Bible, needs to be part of our devotion of prayer. If we expect to be effective and proper and acceptable, the Bible says we enter his gates with just the proper way to approach him in general is giving him gratitude. In fact, you know, Paul is, I will remind you, Paul's in prison when he writes this letter. Yet he understands that regardless of the setting, our Heavenly Father is worthy, and we must be thankful when we approach Him. I'm just going to summarize this, but two sides of thankfulness in our prayers. Number one, there is the gratitude of thanksgiving. Number two, there is the faith of thanksgiving. Gratitude. Whenever we approach God, it should be with a spirit of gratitude that we can approach Him. Because if it had not been for the blood of Jesus, we can't approach him. The throne of grace was opened wide because of Christ. Amen? So every time I can draw near to the living God, i got to be thankful for it. Because in myself, I'm not worthy of it. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Amen? As I approach him because of who he is and because of what he's done, I don't approach him and treat him like he's the drive through window at McDonald's. Amen? I'm approaching the true and living God. And first things first, you know, if you get things out of order, you can get in trouble, amen? There's a protocol in things. You just can't jump to, there's a protocol. And when there's a protocol, the throne of grace, humble our hearts, glorify his name, amen? So when I'm thankful, it's so important because it's opening things up. And then lastly, not only the prayer of gratitude, the prayer of faith. Well, I give God thanks for this. When we approach God, we approach him believing his promises, believing his promises and convinced of his power. We give him thanks as an expression of faith because we believe that God will hear and God will answer the cries of his people. We believe his promises and we're expecting and therefore we say, Lord, I come before you thanking you for who you are. I thank you for the privilege that I can pray. I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for how good you've been to me. I love you and praise you and honor you. And now, Father, I bring forth my request. And after I bring it, now, Father, I want to thank you in advance that you're a faithful God and you're a good God and you're a loving God and you're a powerful God and you're a God that has spoken about situations like this and you gave me a promise and you cannot lie. Father, I want to thank you in advance that you will answer and you will intervene and you will work things out for your glory and my praise. We pause our, con- our title this morning, Take It to the Lord in Prayer. The Apostle Paul is sharing with this young church 
another privilege that we all have, they have, we all have. And it's very important for those of us that want to finish strong and live victoriously that we get the most out of the privilege of prayer. We get the most out of the privilege of prayer. And we have a great privilege that you and I can draw near to the living God. And we can pour out our hearts. We can receive from him grace and strength, comfort, wisdom. Not to use that is kind of a dumb thing, isn't it? When you think of all the struggles we go through in life, when you think of all the challenges this world has, not to avail ourselves to that wonderful privilege. All right. So we're going to be devoted. We're going to be watchful. Guard your prayer life. And we're going to be thankful. Gratitude and faith. Now we're going to end our service with our final song and prayer. And we're going to open the altar. If you need prayer or you just want to come and pray, the altar will be opened. If you need to just make a fresh commitment to God, that you're going to start disciplining yourself to meet more consistently, to do your devotion, to spend daily time in the Bible, seeking the Lord, developing that relationship, praying consistently and praying sincerely. Maybe you need to make that fresh commitment if you don't have one. But we're going to pray now. If you're here today and you've never received Christ, well, I want to invite you to come. If you're here today and things are not right with you and God and you need to make a fresh commitment, then as we begin to sing and pray one for another, you're invited to come and make a fresh commitment. God is a God of new beginnings. Start afresh and go after God with all your heart and with all your soul. And if you're here today and you need prayer and you want someone to lay hands on you, Jesus is here by his spirit. He's willing to heal you. He's willing to fill you. He's willing to work in your life. If you'll come in faith, we'll agree with you and we'll watch God work powerfully in you. Amen? Stand with me. Let's pray. Stand with me. Let's pray and then we'll sing our final song. We're so thankful for the privilege of prayer. Oh, folks, don't let anyone rob you or detour you from this great privilege. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have that we can come boldly before the throne of your grace, that we can draw near to the living God, that we can pour out our hearts and our cares and our burdens upon you, that we can seek you and receive from you wisdom and grace and peace and new strength to fight this fight of faith, that we can call on you and, and seek you to see you answer prayers and intervene in our lives and intervene in the lives of our children and our friends and our family. Oh, Father, Lord Jesus, you have opened the door. Through your blood, you have made us acceptable that we can come confidently. And now I pray, oh God, help us to be devoted and faithful in our prayers. Help each one of us to guard our prayer life. Help each one of us to be able to step back and reassess some things and give proper value to the proper things so that we would major in the majors and we would guard the eternal things, the priceless things, that we would guard them and we would practice them. Help us to be devoted and faithful, guarding our prayer life from the many distractions and discouragements. And Father, help each one of us to become powerful, effective people of prayer. And now, Lord, let your power flow at this altar.
as we seek you and as we pray one for another. Father, in the name of Jesus, let your power flow at this altar. Let your gifts of healing shine forth in a strong measure and let fresh fillings overflow every hungry and thirsty soul that responds. Oh, God, breathe life upon us right now and draw us to a new place of faith, devotion, and dedication. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, if you need prayer, you want to pray, come now. We'll believe God to touch you and work wonders in your life. If not, let's give him praise. Let's give him honor. He's worthy. 